A couple of weeks ago, we wrapped up a series through the first half of the book of Ephesians. Then last week, Marcus preached a sermon on the presence of God. It was so good. I asked him already to just be ready at some point. I'm going to have him preach it again because we need to just keep hearing that sermon over and over and over again. It was very good. Uh, and today we're beginning another series. Now, we have been in the practice over the last about a year, year and a half of just digging through books of the Bible, and we're taking a little bit of a different tact for this series, and I'll tell you why that is. Uh, we decided that now would be a good time, before we get too much into the holiday season, uh, we believe that this was a good time that the Lord is leading us to stop and call some things to our memory. Uh, so we're actually calling this the Remember series. We're going to take a few weeks out before we get into this holiday season too deep. Um, and, and we are going to talk about some things we believe God wants us to remember about this local church. You see, the beauty of the local church is that while we're all connected in the full body of Christ, we call that the capital C church, the body of Christ around the world, we're all connected together through Jesus Christ, but we each have a unique calling or a purpose and a culture. Each local church has all of that. In the book of Revelation, John is actually writing to and about seven specific churches in that, in that revelation, in that prophetic uh, image of the end times. And for each of the churches that he mentions, he actually refers to each church having its own lampstand. And so that lampstand is the spiritual imagery for the unique purpose and calling and even culture of every specific local church that exists within a physical community, just like Life Church is one of those churches. So in a sense, in this Remember series, we want to take a look at our lampstand. We want to look for a few weeks at the unique things that God has called us to do. Now, I want to be very clear that as we remember our unique calling, we are not saying that we are remembering our better calling. We're no better than anyone else, but we are call to something unique and specific, not to be better, but so that we know how to walk together in unity in this church family. I'll let, let me double down on that. We actively pray for churches that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because we know that we are not alone and we cannot complete the mission alone. So we celebrate that there are other churches and we celebrate that they also have unique callings. Can you get on board with that? Okay. All right. Today, I want to talk with you about a specific prophetic word. Prophecy, by the way, is to say what God is saying. Uh, sometimes that looks like declaring scripture over somebody's life. Sometimes God speaks what we call a rhema word, which is like a fresh word for right now by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and there was a prophetic word that was given to this church a long time ago. Now, for some of you, when I say a long time ago, when I tell you when it was given, it might not seem like that long ago, but for me, it was a long time ago. Uh, so let me just, I'll put this in context. This church was originally planted in 1928 by Ellsworth Johnson. Um, it was led then after, interestingly enough, just a little historical tidbit, tidbit the, the second pastor who took over this church when it was just one year old was a woman by the name of Jeanette O'Donnell. At, at, in the Foursquare denomination, we believe in empowering women to ministry, even to the role of senior pastor. And so this church actually has a history of female senior leadership. And it currently does because one of our, co our senior co-senior pastors of this church is my wife. And so we're, we're excited about that. 
I just thought you might like a little bit of history about your church. Now, I just want you to know that when Ellsworth Johnson planted in 1928 this church, it had no fancy slogan name like Life Church. It was just called Lancaster Foursquare Church. You want to know why? It's because it was the first Foursquare Church in Lancaster, in fact, in the entire Antelope Valley. You are currently sitting in the oldest Foursquare Church in the Antelope Valley. It's not a point of pride, but hey, that's pretty cool, right? Okay, so it was called Lancaster Foursquare Church, which is currently still our legal name, Lancaster Foursquare Church. Now we go by Life Church because we believe that it communicates more clearly who we are in this season of our, of our history as a church. Now that puts a little bit of context into when this word was given uh, in its entire history, started in 1928. By 1979, Lancaster Foursquare Church was being pastored by a mentor of mine named Dennis Easter. Uh, Dennis Easter and I were talking about this recently, and he remembers that this specific prophetic word that I want to share with you today was actually given to this church for the first time while he was the senior pastor uh, during the year 1979. He served for seven years, and, and 79 fell in that window. And, and he was telling me that a member of this church, whose name was John Beard, was given a prophetic word for Lancaster Foursquare Church, and he shared it, and it has shaped the ministry of this church for 40 years years. In fact, what I'm about to tell you, I can remember when I was in youth group in this church hearing this word being shared. This is a word that has sustained. God has recurringly brought it back up to our memory. So we're calling you to, if you're hearing it for the first time, we're calling you to know it. We are being called to remember it. All right? Okay, so here is what John Beard heard the Lord say. It's a simple word. Lancaster Foursquare Church is a house of healing. That's a word that is 40 years in the baking in this church. And it, like I said, it's shaped our ministry. And it's been a word that has come up in specific seasons where God has called us to minister healing to his people and out to the world. But there's a caveat to this, is that when John heard this word, he didn't just say, Lancaster Foursquare Church is a house of healing, period. And most of the times when I heard this word growing up, it was just that. Lancaster Foursquare Church is a house of healing. But I was talking with Dennis, who was the pastor at the time, and he said that this was actually healing not just in the physical, but also spiritually and relationally. He said that this was a call to a holistic view of healing. For Lancaster Foursquare Church to be a place where broken people can find healing. So when we say this is a house of healing, we're saying that the people of this church are called to a holistic view of healing. Now, in order to be able to say that, we should probably talk about what healing is. So that's what we're going to do today. In order to remember this word that we are called to be a house of healing, I want to briefly look at the three kinds of healing that Pastor Dennis listed as he was explaining to me how he originally ministered this word as the pastor of this church 40 years ago. So we're going to talk about physical healing, spiritual healing, and relational healing today. Now, first, let me clarify some important things. You know, I'm a teacher, and so I need to make sure we understand the terms that we're talking about. So let's define the word healing. The dictionary defines the word healing like this, to cause a wound, injury, or person to become sound or healthy again. When Isaiah 53, 5 says, by his wounds we are healed, 
The Hebrew word there is rafa, which means to mend by stitching together, to cure, to repair, to thoroughly make whole. These two ideas, the English dictionary definition of healing and that Hebrew understanding of healing are linked in our minds and they are also linked directly to the person of Jesus. You see, the the word healing is linked to the concept or the function or the role of a physician. And it is clear in Scripture that God is the source of healing. In fact, we refer to God and Jesus specifically as the great physician. And I know when I read that, every time my mom used to tell me, when you read the great physician, it's with a capital G and a capital P. The great physician, meaning he is it. He is the greatest physician. In fact, literally, God calls himself Jehovah Rapha. There's that word again, which means to stitch together, to make whole. He says in Exodus 15, 20, 26, he says to his people, Israel, I am the Lord who heals you. This is where we get one of those seven Jehovah names, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. So scripture paints a pretty broad picture of healing. Healing is holistic. Healing can happen instantaneously by the power of the Holy Spirit. We call that, by the way, miraculous healing. A miracle is something that happens right now against all of the normal flow of appearances of things or what you think nature is doing. And so we believe that healing is holistic. We believe that it can happen instantaneously. And we also believe that healing happens in the will of God over time. See, God, one of the beautiful things about the way that God has designed and created mankind is to see how our bodies are actually designed by God to heal themselves. When we are healthy people, you get sick, your body works to heal itself. That's God's plan for your life. So you could argue that all health is the result of God's divine order. This is why we wake up and we can, we can breathe today, we're, we're healthy today, or however healthy you are, you made it to today, and you can say, praise God, thank you that I have been sustained today, that God has sustained my health and my life. We believe that healing happens in the process also of discipleship and spiritual formation. What I'm telling you is that healing is not just about your physical body. One more thing I want to clarify is that we, we know that God does the supernatural work of healing, that it's God's work, but we also know that God's people have a part to play. So to be clear, we do not heal people. We don't. Only God can do that. Even if you are a medical doctor in the room, you are only facilitating the aid of God's divine healing plan. Okay? And we celebrate God, we believe in science, and we believe in Jesus. We just believe that Jesus and science, like, he, it's all his idea, ultimately. Right? Okay, good. Just making sure. I'm clear. Give credit where it's due. But let's not pretend we don't also believe in science. Okay? Just give it in the right order. Okay? But we do not heal people. God does that. What we can do is create environments where healing can happen. You might call that environment a house of healing, which is the word that we're talking about today. So, quick question, what is our responsibility in the work of healing? I would say that the local church's responsibility in the work of healing is, number one, to create a safe and judgment-free space for broken people to enter. Right? 
Number two, to tell the truth about brokenness and not to ignore it. Number three, to engage the sick and the broken person with dignity and in good faith. And in good faith means honesty, but also with faith that is good. Okay. I believe that that looks like appropriate physical contact. Scripture teaches us to lay hands on people who are sick for prayer. Emphasis on the word appropriate, but also emphasis on the word prayer. And I think it also looks like appropriate relational contact which looks like hosting space for people to feel safe and encouraged and motivated to receive God's healing ministry. You getting the picture? This is holistic. I think a fourth thing that the local church can do to facilitate healing or be a house of healing is to declare the truth in love. This looks like being honest about God's love and his power to heal. And how each person can and should partner with God's work to receive God's healing power. What I mean by that is sometimes the Bible tells us you are healed when you confess your sins. Sometimes you're healed as you go on a diet. Sometimes you're healed as you seek counsel from a professional who can talk to you in ways that a non-professional cannot talk to you. By the way, if you ever need a counselor, we will help you get connected with a counselor. We have resources for you. Uh, we sent, was it 14, 15 people, 15 people last year or, or this year so far? In the last nine months, my wife is clarifying what we've actually done. Uh, in the last nine months, we've been able to facilitate a connection with 15 people who are members of this church with a professional counseling resource. And if you need help getting into counseling, Life Church will actually cover or reimburse for you the cost of your first session with a professional counselor. That's how much we believe in holistic healing. Okay? So we will help you get connected. If you need help, you remember Pastor Mark will be in the back available to talk with you. Just say, I need a counselor. It's, there's no shame in that. I have a counselor. Her name is Mindy, but I'm not giving you her number. <laughs> What's her name? <laughs> That's funny. Okay, the fifth thing that I think that we can do <laughs> as we are a house of healing as a local church is to live with expectation that healing will happen. We live with expectation that healing will happen, both miraculously, meaning immediately, and naturally over time and without dramatic fanfare. And may I even say, ultimately. Remember a couple of weeks ago, my mom was up here on the stage and she was talking about her healing journey, wasn't she? My mom has Parkinson's, and so far it is progressing in the direction that I do not want it to in the flesh, but she can testify to all of the healing that has happened in her life in the middle of having Parkinson's in her physical body. I know that my mom is healed by the stripes of Jesus and that she will ultimately one day be completely healed by the stripes of Jesus. I would very much like for her to not have Parkinson's in her physical body right now. But I know that even if she never experiences that healing in this life, I pray for it every day, I expect it every day, and I know that one day she will fully receive it in this life or in eternal life. Amen? So we have a holistic view and even a long view while also holding intention and immediate expectation for healing. 
We hold those things in tension here at Life Church, and I think Scripture does as well. So, God called this church to be a house of healing. Let's look as quickly as I possibly can run you through these ideas at three ways that God heals people. Number one, physical healing. I've already said to you that the, the one of the ways that God heals is in our physical bodies over time. But for this moment, I want to look specifically at what we would call miraculous physical healing. So that's the f- context or the framework I'm talking about over the next few moments. Uh, when we pray for physical healing, our hope is always to see immediate miraculous results. And, and Jesus made it a point to heal people miraculously throughout his ministry. Let me give you a few examples. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says, Jesus continued going around all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news to the, of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. Just for the nuance there, the original language says every kind of disease and every kind of sickness, okay? The, meaning, the, the scripture teaches us that there isn't a single kind of sickness or disease that God cannot heal. Matthew 15, 29 through 30 says, Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee. He went up on a mountain and sat there, and large crowds came to him, including the lame, the blind, the crippled, and those who, who were unable to speak, and many others. They put them at his feet, and he healed them. Mark 6, 44, uh, 54 and 50 through 56 says, as they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him. That's Jesus. They hurried throughout that region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard that he was. Wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that he might, that they might touch just the end of his robe, and everyone who touched it was healed. That's wild and amazing. Uh, Luke 4, 38 through 40 says, After he left the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him about her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up immediately and began to serve them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid hands on each one of them, and he healed them. Jesus had the power and the desire at the same time to physically heal people. And then, here's even more good news, is that Jesus then gives this ministry of physical healing to his disciples, to his immediate followers. In Matthew 10, starting in verse 1, it says, Summoning his twelve disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every kind of sickness and disease. And then down in verse 5, it says, Jesus sent out these twelve after giving them these instructions, which included what it says in verse 8, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse Cleanse those with leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. So physical healing of the sick is a part of God's ministry through Jesus and through Jesus' disciples. But wait, there's more. Because Jesus then extends this ministry to everybody. In Mark chapter 16, it says... This is how Mark actually recounts the Great Commission, which is the commission for every believer, every person who would ever place their faith in Jesus Christ. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. All these things will accompany those who believe in my name. In whose name? In the name of 
Jesus, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes, and if they drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. Now, I want to clarify something here. This is not a command for you to go and prove how powerful you are and how strong your faith is by picking up snakes and go, eh, look at me. This is a promise that wherever you go to minister the gospel and the love of Jesus in his name, not for your credit, but for his name, for his credit, for his glory, it's a promise that the power of God that was with Jesus, the power of God that was with the 12 disciples, is also the power of God that will be with you. And when you see a sick person, and you are walking and ministering in the power of God, and you minister healing in the name of God, Jesus says healing will be present. Amen. We minister physical healing by the laying on of hands, our hands, onto the sick people. Okay, it's 2021. Let's just remember appropriate touch. Shoulders are safe. But always ask. Okay? I just want to add a caveat. I fully believe. I fully fully believe that you do not need the laying on of hands to minister healing. The laying on of hands is a relational component. What you need is love and relationship. I have seen it where healing has been ministered over Zoom. I cannot put my hand on a person to minister healing over Zoom, but God can. Relationship is, is the lesson there. Right? Do I prefer laying on of hands of the sick? Yes, I prefer it because that's what Scripture says. Is it absolutely mandatory that Jesus would be like, oh man, you know, your Wi-Fi connection wasn't strong enough for me to be able to minister healing? Or let me go further. I'm standing in front of a person and they say, I want you to pray for healing for me, but I'd like you to not physically touch me because right now there's still this thing going on in the world and I'm a little bit nervous about physical touch, but I sure would love for you to to, to pray for me without actually physically touching me. Can I, can I just tell you, how dare you, how dare you touch a person who asks you not to touch them? You can love everybody, even without touching them. Okay, so the rule of thumb, this is like ministry 101. The rule of thumb is, if you want to lay hands on a person, what do you do? You ask them. You ask them. And then appropriate touch, Okay. I'm not concerned about a lawsuit. I'm just concerned about you being a dummy. <laughs> Can tell I had a week off. All right. So physical healing is this. The supernatural releasing of power in and through the life of the believer for curing all types of illness. It's the supernatural releasing of power. It's not ours. Okay. Whew. I got to run. Okay. So. As a people of a house of healing, we absolutely believe this. Physical healing is still a part of the ministry of Jesus in the world, through his church, including this church and in this city. We believe that healing happens over time and that it happens instantaneously as we lovingly and in relationship pray for the sick. 
We do not believe that, ha- that healing happens under our command, but by the will of Jesus and always in his way and in his timing. Our job is never to heal. Our job is always to pray, to create space for physical healing to happen, and then to trust that God will do his will in his way, in his time, while we hold intention and expectation for him to heal now. Because God's plan for healing is not just about the physical body. It's also about our spiritual lives. That's the second element of healing I want to talk to you about over the next few moments, that we believe in spiritual healing. Uh, This is where we would call uh, the the house of healing invitation to be holistic. It's not just about one thing. It's about about all of us. If physical healing is, is about our physical body, then spiritual healing is about the rest of us. It's the part of our lives that can't just be seen as broken. It's the, it's the part of us that isn't our body and often goes unseen. It's the easiest pieces of us to hide. Uh, when we say that spiritual healing uh, is for today, we believe that Jesus wants to heal our minds, that he wants to heal our emotions. We believe that this is the healing of the human spirit. And Jesus made it clear that this is his heart for us. In Luke chapter 4, he was in the synagogue and he told us exactly what his mission was when he was reading the prophet Isaiah, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to, enter, uh, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal, to, the, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, it specifically says in there to heal the brokenhearted, but you can see how all of this is a holistic view of healing. Jesus absolutely wants us to be healed completely. And his healing work is not limited to your physical body. Dr. David Lim wrote a book called Spiritual Gifts, and in it he says, it is God's will to heal. He was talking about physical healing there. He says it is God's will to heal unless he has, for the immediate time and circumstances, a higher will. This is the kind of healing conversation I have with my mom a lot. Dr. Lim goes on by saying, God cares about making people healthy emotionally as well as physically, but not enough emphasis has been given to this aspect of healing. Although some may receive instantaneous healing for their emotions, probably most such healings take place over time as the afflicted one is ministered to in love by fellow Christians. This kind of healing takes place in the context of a healthy, caring, interacting body of believers. We like to call that the local church. A house of healing is a safe place for broken people to be welcomed and loved, to be pointed to the open arms of Jesus, and to be nurtured back to complete health. Spiritual healing requires creating safe spaces to heal from abuse, to heal from bad and dangerous theology, and to heal from demonization. I would actually place deliverance ministry and de- uh, from demonic possession and oppression, I would place that underneath the umbrella of spiritual healing. And yes, we believe that demons are real, we believe that they hate you, we believe that it is their mission to torment your life, and we believe that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that they gave up on that job. I absolutely believe that a demon cannot possess a Christian, meaning that a demon cannot come into your life if you are saved and covered and bought by the blood of Jesus and control your life, but they can abuse and manipulate your life. 
And I also further believe that there are many people in the church in America and probably around the world who are walking in demonization right now and do not realize it because we don't talk enough about this kind of healing work in the church of Jesus Christ. We believe in spiritual healing. We want to be this kind of church that creates the space for all kinds of health. So this requires a commitment to good theology. It requires a commitment to difficult conversations. And it requires a commitment to keeping our hearts open. I'm particularly interested in being a church where it is safe to ask hard questions on the journey towards our healing. This would be the kind of place where people can deconstruct any unhealthy teaching and theology that they've been handed by their parents or by pastors who maybe misconstrued the gospel or even as we are continually learning and growing here, we will always correct ourselves as we find the need to do it. And then spiritual healing in that context looks like creating a space where we can, through dialogue and through studying of the Word of God and in the context of healthy relationships, reconstruct a healthy understanding of God, of His Word, and of what life in His kingdom actually looks like. So as people of a house of healing, we believe that God heals physically, immediately and over time, and He heals our physical bodies as well as our spiritual lives. Third, being a house of healing means that we believe that Jesus is interested in relational healing. God wants us to have healed relationships with each other. Paul wrote about this in, in, in well, a lot of places. I'll give you two of them. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against one another, against another person. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. In Philippians chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 1, Paul writes again, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. I could talk for hours about the practical implications of what it would look like for us to look out for the interest of others, and for hours about all of the ways that we have been taught by the American culture that we live in and unfortunately even by our own Western Christianity to be very selfish. God wants to heal our relationships. Do you know how he wants to do that? By getting you to stop thinking so much about yourself. Get, a, get away from the pulpit for just a second, okay? This is just my opinion. You ready? I don't know anymore if God cares if you're comfortable. What he cares about is if you're healthy. Okay? All right. Hey, I'm back. Okay. All right. 
in Philippians chapter 4, Paul goes so far as to say this. This is how much he cares about healthy relationships. Eugene Peterson puts it this way in, in the message translations. Philippians chapter 4, he says, I urge Yodia and Syntyche to iron out their differences and make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. Notice that he didn't say, hey, tell one of those ladies to leave the church. He said, figure it out. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Being a house of healing means this, that we are to be a church where there is space and encouragement for relational healing. Okay? So, the person that you thought of while I was teaching this point is the person that you need to call. Figure it out. I'm here to help. I've got chairs in my office. You can say anything that you want, but you have to sit in them first. Make the call. Can I go so far as to say that Jesus makes it very clear that if you aren't willing to forgive, that you are not forgiven? You're very genuine faith in God might actually be hinging on whether or not you're willing to figure it out. Okay, I'm going to really be your pastor for a second. Get over yourself and make the phone call. I only have one of them. I'm not going to drop it. But I could have. Caveat. You are not commanded to live in an abusive relationship. Okay? The Bible says where it is possible for you, live in peace with all people. Okay? This is, you are not commanded to be in an abusive relationship. If you are in one and you need help getting out of one, I will go to war for you and with you. But I will not be on board with you not figuring it out when you can't, because Jesus wouldn't either. I love you so much. Okay, all right, good. This is what it looks like to be a house of healing. We're going to push and encourage while also creating a safe space, okay? All right. For the record, if you need some time to figure it out, you can still attend church on Sundays until you figure it out. You are welcome here, okay? But more important, for as important as any of that is, more importantly, God wants us to be in a healthy relationship with him. This is what I would call the healing of the human soul. It's for those who are far off, who are brought near. This is what we learned about this in Ephesians. In that first half of Ephesians, Paul says, once you, are afar, or you were far off from God, but you have been brought near, and the dividing wall of hostility between you and God has been torn down. Interesting about that context is that he also says the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles, human relationships, has also been torn down. God links these things. But listen to how Jesus ministers relational healing in Mark chapter 2. It says this, while he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners, which in that time were synonymous, many tax collectors, many used car salesmen, many lawyers, many whatever it is job that you hate, many, uh, many robocall 
uh, people. Yeah, many politicians on the other side of the, you know, many terrorists and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. For there were men, notice it wasn't Jesus alone. Jesus didn't hang out with bad guys by himself. He led his disciples to hang out with bad guys. Right? You know why? Because they're also bad guys. Okay. So, it says in verse 16, When the scribes who were, uh, who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, they were too afraid to go to Jesus because he always owned them every single time. But he goes to his disciples and they say, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, because he is the boss, he told them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus is actually not talking about physical healing here when he talks about a physician and sickness. He's talking about relational healing. So Jesus positions himself as the doctor who comes to heal our broken relationships with God. And notice the method that Jesus uses for relational healing. It was reclining at the table in Levi's house. Relational healing comes as the healed one makes the initiative to go and spend time with the broken one. With the outsider, this is where we realize that being a house of healing is not about this building. It is about your relationships. Jesus would not say to the broken, come to the house of healing, although that is an open invitation. First, he would say to his followers, go and be a house of healing. Where do you work? Where do you live? Who are the people that you know? Who's on your ultimate Frisbee team? Who do you play poker with on a Friday night? Who hangs out with you for movie night? Who are the people that you have coffee with on a Saturday morning? Who are your people? Who is your community? Tell me about your tribe and tell me next about what you're doing to go and be a source of relational healing in that context. Because most of the people that you know who need healing between themselves and God should be filling these empty seats. What are you doing to do the ministry of what Paul calls the ministry of reconciliation so that we could reconcile those to God who desperately need him? So we believe that God is, as he names himself, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. He has given a holistic ministry of healing to his entire church. And specifically, he's called this church to be a house of healing. And we want to remember that. So I can't think of a better way to end this teaching than to pray for healing. I'd like to first give you, as it's become a bit of a tradition around here these days, to actually give you a written prayer. I'd like to lead you in that prayer, and then we're going to post it for you online so that you can pray this every day this week. Um, but, but then I'd like specifically to ask a few people if they would make themselves available 
uh, to pray after our service is over. So uh, there's going to be a little bit of a family business moment that we'll handle. Pastor Mark is going to come up and is it Mark or, or Sharon? Some Pastor Mark's going to come up and he's going to tell you some family business. Then he's going to run back to the back of the room where Pastor Sharon posted him to be. So if you have any questions about what's going on in the church, all that kind of stuff, you need prayer. Pastor Mark will be there. I'm going to ask Elizabeth Curtis. Will you go and stand right over by that uh, prayer wall right over there? Good. All right, now I'm scanning the room. I'm scanning the room. I'm looking for Marcus is in the kids' ministry today. Okay, Kyle and Chris Nesmerly and Paul and Rhonda Smith. Uh, Smiths, will you come and just make yourselves available right here at the front? Kyle and Kristen, will you go and right over to that wall and just be available to pray? All right, so there you go. There are people who are posted uh, to pray. I love that we just figured that out on the fly. Thanks, family. Um, let us pray now, and then I will pray uh, one more prayer over you. And then Pastor Mark will come and begin to wrap up our time. Does that sound good? Yes. Thanks. Okay. Um, let's, let's stand together. If you're physically able to stand, if you're not, then you will stand with us in your heart to honor the Lord. And would you not, because any of this is some kind of magical thing, it, it is not at all. But there is something about a posture, right? Scripture tells us to stand at attention before the captain of heaven's army. And then there's other moments where we're told to kneel before the Lord. And, and, and I would say in this moment it would be appropriate for us as we stand before God that we would have our hands open, not because that's anything magical or mystical, but just to simply put our bodies in a position and a posture where we would say, God, I want to receive something from you. And so if you'd like to follow along with me on the screen, this is our written prayer in response to this sermon, and then I'd like to pray a blessing over you as well. God, I believe, we believe that you are our healer. I ask you to heal me completely. Heal my soul and make me fully alive as I place my faith in you. Heal my spirit by your word, your love, and your Holy Spirit. Heal my body by your will and in the power of your name. And lead me in the ministry of reconciliation to see broken relationships healed among us and with you. I ask that you would make my life and life church a house of healing in the matchless name of Jesus, amen. And stay standing as I would pray this blessing over you. Jesus, I would ask this, that if there is any person in this room that would say, I need healing in my life today, that you would do the work of healing. God, I ask you today that if there's any person in this place that needs physical healing today, that as they go and have somebody lay hands on them after this service is over, we ask you, God, for immediate, miraculous healing power to be released over physical bodies today. We declare in the name of Jesus that this is a place of healing and that you are a God who heals the physical body. As people would come today uh, for needs of spiritual healing, we ask, God, that you would relieve burdens both emotionally and mentally, that you would heal the human spirit today, God. Would you even uh, bring a gift of supernatural gift of your peace, which Scripture says passes our understanding. And so, Lord, would you do that as a sign and an evidence today of your healing. And, God, if there is anybody in this place who needs a relational healing today, 
If that is a, a healing of a human relationship, God, would you heal the places in our hearts that are not ready to do our part in healing that relationship? And then, God, if there is anything that can be done on the other end, would you begin to do, even now as we pray, a healing work in their life as well so that reconciliation can happen? God, if there is any person in this place today who has not had, who is not walking in a relationship with you that is whole and healthy, would you heal our souls today? Would you heal us in the places where we are far from you? If there is a person in this room or within the sound of my voice who is not in an active relationship with Jesus Christ as their Savior and the Lord of their life, I would pray that today would be the moment that they would make a decision to follow you. And if that is you, then this could be the moment right now. You could simply say, God, I give you my whole life today. Heal my relationship with you. I believe that Jesus, that you are the son of God, that you died and rose again so that I could come fully alive and have my relationship with you restored. I invite you to heal my heart and forgive my sins and I become a follower of the way of Jesus today. If you prayed that, would you today just find a person to celebrate that with and tell us how we can help you take the next step? We would love to partner with you. Find a leader. Go to one of the leaders who's going to be posted around this room. And today there are, there are a lot of opportunities to continue to pray. But God, right now, Lord, would you even uh, just uh, allow me to be prophetic for a moment? I feel like the Lord is saying that this prayer in this moment is to prime the pump of your faith and your expectancy to go and have someone lay hands on you or to relationally stand with you and pray and declare healing over whatever area of your life you would ask God to do a work of healing in. So God, we, as you primed the pump through this prayer, in our hope and our expectancy of your move has been, uh, has been stirred up. Give us now the faith to walk after this service is over to a human being and ask to be prayed for. And God, we expect great things. And for the things that we can see, we rejoice. For the things that we will see over time, we equally rejoice. Because you are a good God who heals us. We love you, God. We honor you, God. And Life Church, could you just give God some praise? Because he's a good God who does heal his people. Amen.